0: Well, Welcome to Leadership in Focus, podcast number one. The podcasts are designed to discuss all things leadership and are suitable at all levels. Although the podcast is military focused, the topics discussed are equally relevant in any organisation. The common theme for this is future and future podcasts will be special guests discussing experiences, personal thoughts and opinions on leadership. I'm Jason Moriarty and I'm the host and today we have our special guest, Stuart Kamak, and the topic for today is Authentic Leadership. Welcome, Stu. Thanks very much for having me. No, no, pleasure. Um, now, I know you're passionate about Authentic Leadership, um, and today I really want to link it back to Junior Leadership uh, as we move through, but I'm interested in a couple of key, key points. The first one, uh, first one being effective, uh, authentic leaders, they possess certain qualities. So what qualities are they? Uh, So
1: authentic leadership is a theory which pretty much boils down to a few key pillars and they are self-awareness, self-assessment, communication and the whole integrity and moral courage piece. Uh, Self-awareness is focused on uh, the authentic leader having a really good understanding of their own personality uh, and inside that a good understanding of their strengths but more importantly their weaknesses and also their own morals, so essentially their sense of right and wrong. Uh, The self-assessment component is that process of critical thinking and reflection where we look inwards and critique ourselves. It's a big part of the theory and it's so important that uh, junior leaders do this as they start out. Uh, Communication is linked to all of it uh, as it's about having the skills to communicate with people around us and listen to guidance and advice from pretty much everyone. It's not just about talking though and it's also not just about verbal communication. Uh, we need to be good at verbal and non-verbal communication and written communication as well. Uh, the thing that underpins nearly all of it though is integrity and moral courage. Uh, and it's a big part of the authentic, leader, uh, authentic leadership theory uh, as it directly links to being an honest leader. It's about being someone that can accept their flaws or mistakes and also have the moral courage to act as they should. Uh, I coined a phrase recently, which probably isn't anything new, uh, but it's pretty simple when it comes to being an authentic leader, and that's saying what I should and doing what I ought. Uh, I think you could apply that to any positive leadership theory.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's outstanding, and I think uh, something I found in, in certainly in my career that if if you're not being your authentic self and the authentic leader, it's it's unsustainable. It takes far more energy yep. to be someone that uh, that. Is, is is second nature to you, being yourself, than trying to be someone else or someone that you're not. Uh, and I'm sure we've got some examples uh, as we move through. So what we'll do now, I think, Stu, is we'll break that down. Um, so we'll talk about self, uh, self-assessment and why that's critical as a junior leader. Uh, look,
1: absolutely. Self-assessment is critical as a junior leader. Uh, I can remember when I was a corporal and was about to transition to the rank of sergeant. Uh, I was taking part in a, an exercise in Townsville with the Combat Training Centre on a warfighter exercise, and anybody who's done those exercises knows that they're pretty intense. Uh, it was at the end of the first mission profile in the after-action review, and I can remember sitting there thinking to myself, there is just so much that I don't know uh, that I should, um, and also suddenly realising that I couldn't hide behind a facade of confidence or cavalry swagger uh, because the proof was in the pudding. Uh, I didn't have an understanding of the orders process like I should have, and I didn't perform to the standard I needed to. Uh, I had people saying that I had, but if I was honest with myself, I knew in my heart that I hadn't performed to the required standard. Uh, I was at a point in my career where I had deployed a couple of times, I'd, I'd held a high profile position being a recruiting instructor, I'd had a number of postings, and I was also holding the sergeant's position at the time. Uh, But it was at that point where I became critically aware of my own shortfalls as an Armoured Corps Junior NCO, and from that point started to make a concerted effort in increasing my knowledge and education of my trade and also leadership. I think that as soldiers become Junior NCOs, they they really do need to focus on being their own worst critic. Uh, When we're asked that question as part of an assessment, how do you think you went? Uh, we should be able to rattle off the endless list of things we could have done better. Uh, we all know whether or not we have performed well at a task or a mission. We all know if we have met the standard that we have set for ourselves. Uh, we just need to be humble enough to admit to ourselves that we haven't and then have the maturity to then do something about it. Yeah,
0: well, I'd, we've been posted to, a, to, to similar units uh, in the past. and, and, and... Being humble is, is, is critical mm-hmm. in, in being being successful because if you're humble, that allows you to be more critical and to and be a self-evaluator of your performance. Yep. So as a junior leader, once the junior leader has identified some shortcomings in his knowledge, for example, what's your advice? How can he then improve that? What are some of the tools that are available to him to increase his knowledge? Uh, I think actively reading all of the time. So it, it's, it's
1: okay to read uh, books about past operations, but but not just stories, look for the science of our what we do. Um, so one of the turning points for me was when I sat down and made a concerted effort at reading the Maneuver Theory Handbook, uh, and really got a good understanding of, of the science of what, what it is that we actually do. But a big part is actively seeking good role models. Uh, you, it is such a crucial, crucial element for your development as a junior leader is to cherry pick those role models. And that doesn't mean that you need to base yourself off one individual. Uh, for me, I like to look at a number of people and take those components uh, that you like from those leaders and apply them to developing your own your own skill set and your own repertoire. Uh, as a leader.
0: Yeah I totally agree and and mentoring is something that um, larger organisations outside of the military do very well. They have programs set aside to to um, foster talent uh, and I think the Army doesn't necessarily do that well and in fact I would go as far as to saying in the past there has been a bit of a, um, a, a, a you know sycophantic approach uh, in the way that people look at people who are being mentored by uh, people. Um, I've, I too have a number of mentors that I look up to and I tell you what, they're not all senior to me. Mm. Uh, don't, don't be scared to look down because there's some inspirational people uh, below the ranks that we hold um, that are equally good mentors. They don't need to necessarily know that and like you said, you're identifying their strengths. But I will also add that you'll learn probably more from negative mentors or those leaders that uh, have um, less than ideal leadership traits than you will from a good one, from my experience. You yeah, know, definitely. Uh, excellent points. I will add too that you know, being humble and being a self-assessor and being critical of your own performance is that you need to accept failure and you need to accept those deficiencies and get over them and move forward uh, and don't dwell on the past. Learn what you need to do. Uh, those things that are tangibly f- uh, fixable immediately, fix them. Those that'll take some time to fix, you know, some subject knowledge that you haven't got at your uh, disposal at that one at that time, find it later on and fix it as soon as possible. But also remember that just like us, um, we need to have that same approach to our subordinates. So as a junior leader, uh, be Know, swift to praise however slow to punish allow mm. people to make mistakes because that's where we learn We've, we learn more from mistakes than we do from success yeah definitely so that a great point on self-assessment so some other qualities um, you mentioned for an authentic leader is communication can you elaborate yeah definitely um, look authentic leaders need to be able to communicate well
1: as part of that process of self-assessment um, they need to be able to communicate up and down the chain of command uh, within their their workplace. Uh, they also need to be able to uh, communicate to their left and right within their own peer group. Uh, it, that part is really important as well is, is being humble enough to ask your own peers for guidance and advice uh, when at the end of the day in a lot of ways we're actually competing against our own peer group uh, for postings, promotions, you know making that next rung. Uh, step up the rung in the ladder, but it it is absolutely crucial at being humble enough to ask your own peers for advice sometimes. Uh, but it's actually all about listening rather than talking, um, in my mind. Uh, if we can't listen to people as leaders, we aren't going to be able to learn from our mistakes as leaders. Uh, a big part of why leaders struggle, um, I believe, uh, is pride. When somebody starts to give you constructive criticism, the first thing that we all do is feel defensive and it's only human and at the end of the day, it's just pride. It's, it's only natural, but we need to identify that emotion and we need to fight that down and then actively listen and process what we're being told. Easier said than done, uh, I know, especially when you're a hard-charging junior NCO or a senior NCO or an officer with an A-type competitive personality, but we need to listen more than we talk. And I even keep telling my daughters that uh, they need to remember they have two ears and one mouth for a reason, and as leaders, we're no different. Uh, so in my mind, if you're dedicated to improving your craft as a leader, uh, you must have good communication. You need to possess some active listening techniques, uh, such as understanding what your body language is is saying when you're talking to people and be able to suppress your pride when somebody is critiquing you or you're on the receiving end of an awkward conversation. Uh, I've certainly found that improving my listening abilities has helped me gain clarity on on what my weaknesses are and and how I can improve them. Uh, Sometimes it's as easy as pulling out a notebook and pen and writing things down for reflection at a later stage when the potential sting has gone out of the conversation. Uh, It's also helped me help uh, junior soldiers is with good listening ability, Uh, they can uh, confide in you more and trust you more and share what is actually happening with their personal lives or if if that is affecting them in the workplace. Uh, But it's not just listening that authentic leaders need to be good at, Uh, it's also how we communicate in the spoken and the written word. Uh, That's obviously something that you've written about recently and and it's resonated with a lot of people uh, for a very good reason. Uh, so I guess that principle of communication feeds into the other ones, such as self-awareness and knowledge, as well as
0: self-assessment. Yeah, fantastic points. And I will say from the outset, active listening is one of my my weaknesses that I'm trying to develop. It's a, it's a difficult thing to develop, but it's all about understanding and be, it's about being uh, self-aware and critical of of yourself as a leader. And I'm sure I'll get there. Like uh, other shortfalls that I've identified in my my career thus far. Uh, the whole um, communication and listening piece um, is also one of the... is the Chief of Army's uh, abbreviated uh, philosophy on leadership. And I, I wrote a piece on this also. He spoke to the senior leaders, leadership group at the Royal Australian Army Corps, Corps Conference. Um, and his um, philosophy is listen, lead... Sorry, listen, uh, learn, lead. Um, and I really... He spoke on, but I found myself dwelling... And pondering those three words in more detail and then I write them down and the listen piece is to understand, mm. you know, and like you've articulated, don't listen to retort, don't listen to defend or to give your opinion, just listen to understand what has been said and using that, learning from that and then using what you've learnt to then move on and lead. Uh, that, that Chief of Army's philosophy certainly resonated the The written piece is something for NCOs. Uh, I think we need to work on as an army yep, most definitely you know verbally, you know we can stand there and talk in front of you know 20, 120, 220 people. We're confident we can do that, and we can pretty much do it off the cuff. but when it comes to writing it's something that um, that most union NCOs senior NCOs and warrant officers fear and we need to get rid of that fear. Now I know um, there's probably some some of my commanders in the past are probably going to be yelling down at the podcast when I say that we need to get junior NCOs, senior NCOs, and warrant officers doing professional development and writing. Yeah. So not not thousands of words, just a thousand word on a topic, and we refine their writing skills. I know when I was a, you know those ranks, you know I used to turn my nose up and I was the first one to go. I'm too busy for this, but you know. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and it it gives you freedom and uh, to to then write with influence. We can talk and influence people. We need to be able to write and influence those same people, and that's that's far more difficult. Yeah,
1: I completely agree. Um, you know, I had a good education as a kid growing up, but when I joined the army, uh, it, it certainly wasn't to write documents. But as you achieve rank and responsibility, you you suddenly find yourself generating. Uh, work that involves writing and it's not always going to be your immediate superior that has to interpret what it is that you're trying to say in a document Um, everything is done by email and and the old saying of once you click send you don't own that email anymore somebody else might go and read that thread and see your name and what you've written and how you've written it and instantly develop a bias Against you, yeah, uh, and and develop a uh, an idea of what you might be like as a person. So you know, I make a concerted effort in all of my email traffic, and you would have seen that, yep. of of having a a good uh, introduction, or a good morning, sir, or good morning, ma'am, or good afternoon, Stephen, or, or whatever, and then thinking about the body of what it is that you're trying to say, and then wrapping it up with a good conclusion and a good signature block. Um, and you know, hitting F7
0: to spell check your work, it, it doesn't take a lot of time. No, it doesn't. And another good, another good uh, way of doing that, if you're not completely satisfied or comfortable with that spell check, is the cut and paste in your Word document and, and perfecting that, that, that piece of writing and then cutting it back in yeah. is another. And that same method can be used for PARs, and that, that's probably another, another podcast. What I will say, you know, the risk of sort of um, going off on a tangent in the world, according to Jason Moriarty, this, the, the real centre of leadership, out of all these uh, topics that we'll talk about in the future, the real, the real nut is our ability to influence. So it's influenced by action, by words, both written and spoken. Now, if we really want to be a well-rounded leader, we need to nail down, as NCOs, as senior NCOs and Warren officers, we need to nail down the written piece. So it's a fantastic point, Stu. Mm. One of the other pillars that you discussed um, was you know, when you talk about authentic leaders, um, you, know, you cannot go past character. So, For a young leader, how can a leader harness that?
1: Um, I think character and integrity are closely linked in this theory to my, in my eyes. Uh, for me the best way to look at it is uh, essentially through the prism of your own moral compass. Uh, And that links back into self-awareness due to the fact that with a better understanding of your own morals and ethics, you'll demonstrate your true character traits as a leader. Uh, Our basic sense of right and wrong is pretty much developed during our upbringing and influenced by our role models growing up. But as we start to achieve promotion and gain experience and maturity, uh, we're eventually going to be faced uh, as a leader where a decision is going to have to be made in accordance with your moral compass. Um, It's at that point in time that as a junior NCO, you're going to know uh, after the event, uh, you're going to know in your heart whether or not you made the right decision. Uh, It might be stopping someone from behaving inappropriately in in a pub somewhere, or or perhaps stopping somebody uh, who is actually your superior from behaving in an unethical manner. Uh, if you look at the media, uh, or in essentially the the army newspaper, and you you, you read the disciplinary disciplinary uh, results, uh, there are numerous examples of fraudulent behaviour uh, that are being tried uh, out there in the army, and and you just can't tell me that people around those people that are found guilty of those service offences don't know that something is happening. But the problem is that they're not saying anything or doing anything about it. Um, so for me. Personally, it's about not turning a blind eye. Uh, I remember having a female recruit when I was a recruit instructor, uh, complained to me about uh, two other instructors at Kapuka uh, because their behavior was inappropriate. Uh, she didn't want anyone to get into trouble and she didn't want to make a big deal about it, uh, but she also felt that she needed to tell me about it and that said a lot to me. Um, it, it could have easily been swept under the carpet, uh, But, you know, and and I could have gone out of my way to protect these two individuals, but I knew the right thing to do was to report it up my chain of command and make sure that the right thing and the right action was followed up after I'd done that. Um, She didn't want me to, but as I explained to her, she also didn't want to experience that situation again or or have one of the other female recruits that she was with uh, experience what she experienced as well. So the matter ended up getting dealt with appropriately and and funnily enough, the issue wasn't repeated. Uh, For me, I think we need to be asking ourselves as leaders what we want to be remembered for and and what sort of role model we want to be. Um, Our organisation within the Army and and the Army as a whole is a very small place uh, and your name will be remembered for either the right things or the wrong things. And i would say to junior, junior leaders, uh, coming up through the ranks, whether or not you want to be remembered for the right things or the wrong things, that decision is entirely
0: yours. Yeah, good points. And and I guess the the thing I'll add to that is, you know, you, you spoke about then very well about, you know, subor, uh, subordinates coming to you. But those same qualities need to be shown when giving advice to whether it be your Lieutenant, your OC, about things of, you know, procedure or discipline. Um I can tell you that uh, on a number of times oh, I had to sit there long and hard and, and think about what is the right and the wrong thing to do, um, and there are a number of factors that come into that, but ultimately making that decision based on what is right. Um, we all have our moral compass, we all know, not just from the way that we are brought up, but our integration into the Army. Um, we know what is accepted and what is not, we know what culture Is trying to be fostered, and what is um, trying to be pushed away. So embracing that culture and understanding what is the right thing to do, and that's not. Sometimes those decisions aren't easy. Um, Sometimes they're going to um, they're hard decisions, and we can't we can't steer away from making hard decisions. Mm. Something that we spoke about yesterday over a coffee, Stew, um, was on probably a lower level of having good character is. Um fault correcting the small things mm. um like for, for instance, dress and bearing uh, a, n- a number of times uh, recently when I visit the larger bases, I see some some uh a, a number of people incorrectly dressed, whether that's going to the gym after hours or during the day unshaven, clearly on holidays uh to haircuts to you know wearing singlets to the gym, you know minor infractions in the scheme of things. However, they shouldn't get to that point. And we, we discussed um, correction fatigue. Yeah. You know, if we went around and, and and everywhere we went, we corrected faults in people's dress, bearing, uh, and the like. You know, your, your day would just turn to turn to a miserable mess mm. as an individual. However, if we all did what we got paid for, from a junior NCO up to a warrant officer, that change that uh, that uh, fatigue that I mentioned would be shared. Yeah, definitely, and you'd be so much more productive in your day, yep.
1: yeah, you'd get so much more done. Everybody would be able to get so much more done.
0: Yeah, and it shouldn't be left up to the, the conscious few, it should be, you know, that you, you're wearing that rank, you do your job, you know, I don't think that we need to be contrary that should be a whole focus for a junior NCO. they should be looking after our people, but part of that is maintaining discipline. So, yeah, excellent points. And dealing, dealing with
1: those things at the lowest possible level.
0: Yeah.
1: Like so many other issues that we deal with within Army, whether it be conflict in the workplace or a breakdown of interpersonal relationships or, you know, I mean, the first step of a redress of grievance is to deal with it at the lowest possible level. So yep. let's deal with these issues at the corporal level so we yep. can get back to doing what? We're planning good
0: training, resourcing good training. Yep. You know, building capability. I've got a scenario, and it happened, uh, MTF4, and you were on that operation as well, Stu. In in I was at CSM, and, and uh, we are in TK. Obviously, the big push in TK was making sure that people were dressed correctly, you know, not wearing runners, wearing boots, always shaving, you know, appropriate haircuts and the like, as it should have been throughout the whole um, AO. I had uh I'm not on one to be creative when it comes to people doing uh, small discipline infractions um, and I said to my guys now I was my guy when I say my guys I had infantry I had armor engineers the whole the, the the full spectrum and I said I'm not going to charge you on your first infraction however what you're going to do you're going to write a one thousand word handwritten assignment on whatever that infraction was i had well, probably the very next day, one of the guys was incorrectly dressed. His section commander found it, gave him that assignment, and you know, all like I said at the very start, junior NCOs, soldiers hate writing, so that was worth uh, far more than taking some of his money from him or giving him some some punishment that he really didn't care too much about, and that was the only dress infraction I had for the whole six months because. That then, you know, obviously disseminated through the ranks, how, how I was going, I was going, uh, going through with my, my threat, and funny enough, no, no further issues. So it's about identifying it, and as you've you alluded to, is finding appropriate punishments from corrective training mm. to fix those faults. It yeah. doesn't always have to go and de-escalate straight to DFTA action. There's, there's other methods. Oh,
1: def- Definitely. And, you know, it's almost a shame that you only had one soldier that did that because you only had one soldier that could improve his written communication. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> I should, maybe I should have been given some assignments <laughs> yeah. earlier.
0: OK, cool. And, and we'll, we'll go on now with the last the last question I have for you. You mentioned integrity and moral courage. What advice um, do you have uh, on integrity, and moral courage for not just junior leaders, but all leaders?
1: Um, I think to quote nike just do it Um, own your mistakes and take responsibility for your actions and especially that of your team so take ownership of the good and the bad results that your team um, generate Uh, be honest in everything that you do uh, because it goes a long way in regards to developing your character your reputation and your humility uh, as a leader Uh, people know when you're trying to deflect responsibility or blame uh, especially soldiers. Uh, they have a nose for it uh, and we should always remember where we started and that was as a soldier and we can, we can recall numerous times when people tried to pull the wool over our eyes or, or deflect blame or responsibility away from themselves. Um, also, I think a big part of demonstrating integrity is demonstrating moral courage. Uh, it is something that we talk about in training establishments uh, to absolute uh, nausea. But I'll be honest with you. I think junior NCOs and senior NCOs and and officers struggle with it on a day to day basis in our day to day business. Um, if I'm wrong, then why is it that I'm constantly fault correcting uh, dress and grooming standards of soldiers around this brigade, both on and off the uh, both on and off the br- the base? Uh, to be blunt. The reason is a great majority of our junior leaders uh, and senior leaders don't have the moral courage to enforce simple things like haircuts. Uh, You mentioned before shaving when coming onto the base to use the facilities uh, or how uniforms are worn. Uh, If you don't have the moral courage to enforce simple policy, how can you be trusted as a junior leader to enforce something that is important, or, or they're all important, but more important, Um, such as enforcing force protection measures uh, in a high-threat environment uh, such as operations in Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, I don't want to sound like an old cliched warrant officer banging away about the dress manual uh, but my advice to junior NCOs and senior NCOs is to get out there and start enforcing the simple standards like dress and bearing. So getting soldiers to pick up rubbish around the brigade area or the unit area Uh, Just getting the little things squared away, because that will set the foundation for your ability to enforce other things later on in your career. Um, And a big part of that is don't be afraid to fault correct officers as well, or or your superiors if they're doing the wrong thing. Uh, I'm certainly not, and I like to explain to them that as officers, um, we expect them to set the standard uh, and they expect us to enforce the standard. Um, if both of us do our jobs, then we'll, we'll all get along. In doing so, you can work on your communication skills with dealing up and with people up and down the chain of command. Ninety-nine uh, percent of the time, officers will develop a great deal of respect for you if you pull them up uh, for their dress and bearing. But that's got to be done in the correct setting with the correct tact and time. You're not going to do it publicly. Uh, You're certainly not going to do it in front of their superiors to try and make them look foolish. Uh, And you're certainly not going to do it in front of your subordinates to try and embarrass them. It's done one-on-one and it's done behind closed doors. Um, You know, 99% of the officers will be receptive. Um, That other 1%, I think it goes without saying, you shouldn't worry too much about what they think of you after that conversation.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, absolutely... um a, a good lead into uh forming that relationship yeah. and, and as you said if, if if you if you pull them up or anyone up it needs to be based on policy um and understanding that policy and if you do it with tact and tone they'll, they'll respect you for it at the end mm. and ultimately you're doing the right thing so you have the moral high ground yeah and you just keep pointing to policy but you don't
1: you don't become a robot that just keeps pointing to policy. You can also incorporate a sense of humour with it, as well, and that goes a long way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, I, I, we've we've both had to deal with this in, the, in 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 the past, and I've got to say that um, they've been very uh, receptive to what I've had to say um, in in relation to dress and bearing and making sure that they conform. They conform. I can tell you from experience, being at RMC, they get taught the the, the right and wrong. Um, and it's up to us as, NTO warrant officers and senior NTOs to to, to enforce those standards, and that's why we wear the rank. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, it it just go. It a big part of it for me is if you can't enforce dress standards, how are you going to do things such as enforcing that accurate reporting gets put into the duty officer log, and incidents don't get covered up. And it feeds back into that moral courage of saying what I should and doing what I ought. Um, and the hardest thing is to start that conversation is by saying, sir, no. Yeah. And, and once you cross that threshold and you say, sir, no, it's easy. You've already crossed the line of departure. <laughs> you know, you, you set on your axis yeah. and you just follow it up and, and see it through to the end.
0: To, to sort of uh, encapsulate what we spoke about today, I think it's important to highlight, certainly to the junior leaders, is that you need to develop a style, a style that is sustainable, uh, comfortable, relevant, um, and contemporary. Um, things have changed since we we're at Kapuka, and there's more the more draconian style of hierarchical leadership. Things have changed. There's still uh, the hierarchy in place, the way that we go about our day-to-day business has changed. But I am vastly different now than what I was as a Lance Corporal, to Corporal, to Sergeant, to Woe-2, to now Wo one I'm completely different. Yeah. Um, so and you <laughs> develop, you make mistakes. I've made so many mistakes in my time some of them you've, you've reminded me of today um but i know that through my mistakes i've grown as a leader and i'll continue to grow and it is it, it's it will evolve through my whole career until the point probably where I, I no longer walk the earth but uh develop a style that you're comfortable with and and, and change and change with the times uh, change with your position and your rank but keeping in mind the what army's expectations of us as leaders is and that will guide you to where you need to be
1: yeah couldn't agree more you know the the 17 year old that joined the army in 1996 is completely different to the you know the guy that is about to tick over 39 years of age yeah um, my attitude towards a lot of things has changed um, my position a lot of arguments has changed and I just put it down to experience and maturity Um, and as you get older you you get better you get smarter you get wiser Uh, but I, I guess for for junior leaders it's about seeking that development earlier because when you look at it we've got corporals out there in their very early 20s with a lot of responsibility. Yeah, more um,
0: responsible more responsibility than ever before. Yeah.
1: I mean, you think back to when we were junior NCOs, the responsibility that we had in peacetime army before we started the campaign post 1999 of East Timor, Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, that responsibility back then was so low compared to the responsibility that we heap on our junior NCOs now. Yep. Um, and if you really understand that responsibility as a junior leader, it is a burden. It is heavy to carry. Yeah, But that's only if you truly understand the weight of that responsibility. All right,
0: thanks, Jude. I just want to remind our junior leaders that are listening to the podcast, these podcasts aren't designed for... for, for for us to sit here and to sort of lecture you via podcast, that's not the point. It's just to, to bring up some leadership um, issues that we see, that we've experienced, to give you the tools that took us you know, 20 odd years to develop, to give them to you now, to put them into your toolbox so you can use those now and not have to wait 20 years for, to be able to use them. So, well, thanks Stu, uh, for sharing your experiences, thoughts on authentic leadership. I'm absolutely positive that the the listeners today would have got a lot from the podcast. Well, I hope so. I certainly look forward to getting you back in the future um, and a a few others and and making my way around and and really get a snapshot of army. Uh, To our audience, I value your feedback, uh, positive or otherwise. So if you have any suggestions, please email me on leadershipinfocusaustralia or lowercase, one word, at gmail.com uh, and follow me on Twitter as Jason Moriarty. Uh, thank you for tuning in for our very first and, uh, podcast on leadership. And I, I hope uh, there'll be many more to come. Uh, thanks again, Stu. Thank you.